spiritual grace flowing in our souls. Just think about it. The difference between a branch connected to the vine and a branch that's not abiding in the vine. It's the world of the difference. And of course, this can be the answer to sometimes the depression, the doubts, the fears, the sadness, the loneliness that many genuine born-again Christians go through. Because there can be periods in your Christian life that you're not abiding in the Lord. Welcome again to Let the Bible Speak. This is Pastor Ian Golliher. We're turning today to the Psalm 9. And here's a great statement, a great promise in this psalm. And they that know thy name will put their trust in thee. For thy Lord has not forsaken them that seek thee. Now, putting our trust in the Lord, what is trust? Well, it is to forsake all and to put our confidence in the promises, the word, the statements of God, and to stand upon them. This is the blessed ground of the Christian, standing on the promises. Now, the psalmist says here, they that know thy name will put their trust in thee. And it's important that we know God. We know him by the way he has revealed himself in his word. He's a God of truth. He is a God of goodness. He's a God of wisdom. And he's in absolute control because he's sovereign. And they that know God will put their trust in him. You can't put your trust in something you don't know, you don't comprehend. This is not a religion of ignorance, but a religion of knowledge, putting our trust in the God whom we know. And as we open the Bible, God reveals himself. He declares who he is, and he gives us his own promises. Now, this is the evidence that God is interested in us. It says, Thou, Lord, has not forsaken them that trust thee. Now, here is a great assurance to the Christian. If you're seeking God, God has not forsaken you. If you are in prayer, crying out for the Lord's help, favor, and blessing, then you can be sure that God is with you. Sometimes Christians get into a state where they wonder, has God abandoned them? Has God forsaken them? Well, it's absolutely certain if you're seeking God, he is seeking you. That's what the promise here says. For thou, Lord, has not forsaken them that seek thee. And the praying Christian has this assurance. Because I'm praying, because I'm seeking God through his word, I want to trust him, then the Lord will not forsake me. And I want you to take that to heart today because sometimes we find ourselves really wondering, where is the Lord and is his favor still toward us? The very fact that you're seeking him declares that God has not forsaken you. We go on to read here in the Psalm 9, verse 11, Sing praises to the Lord which dwelleth in Zion, declare among the people his doings. When he maketh inquisition for blood, he remembereth them. He forgetteth not the cry of the humble. Have mercy upon me, O Lord. Consider my trouble. 
which I suffer of them that hate me, thou that liftest me up from the gates of death, that I may show forth all thy praise in the gates of the daughter of Zion. I will rejoice in thy salvation. And here, of course, is the happy conviction of the Christian. I will rejoice in thy salvation. Don't remember the don't forget to remember the blood that was shed for you, the price that was paid by the Son of God there on the cross, and praise him for your salvation. You have a soul that is out of hell. You have a heart that is engaged in seeking God. You have a testimony in this world that the Lord has delivered you. Then praise him. And we have every reason to sing praises to God day by day. Let me commend to you this Psalm 9, the psalm of assurance that God has not forsaken those that seek him. Let's unite in prayer. Father, we rejoice today in the gospel. We rejoice that the Lord Jesus is our Redeemer and Savior. And we thank thee for the hope that you give to your people here in this Psalm 9. Lord, we pray that you will draw near to strengthen the faith of your people perhaps in a trying time or in a day of temptation, when the devil would say you're abandoned, when the wicked one would come along and accuse. Lord, shut the lion's mouth and give peace and sweetness of soul to your people today. May there be joy and gladness by simply trusting and resting in your word. Thank you that you stand over your word. You give us these promises that are sure and certain that they are amen in Christ Jesus. Now, Lord, minister to us today. We'll give you the praise in Jesus' name. back at John 15, and we're looking at the vine and the branches. How many people have a vine? I think I know. 
a certain number of people that have a vine. Now, in the winter months, one of the most ugly sights in a person's garden is a vine, because that twisted and tangled woodwork looks like absolutely nothing but ugly. Now, I got to thinking about that, and I'm sure there are some people that look upon Christians just like we look upon a vine out of season. And Christians are not always that beautiful on the outside. But remember that our Lord Jesus was also despised and rejected of men. And the unconverted natural man looking upon the Lord sees no beauty in him. What? He's just a man. What is extraordinary? What is special? And, of course, when you think of one upon the cross, scarred, bloody, um, wounds, and brought to shame and a despicable death, how can you ever get excited or get upbeat about this man called the Lord Jesus? Well, it's true, isn't it? What is it then that makes, well, firstly, Christians to have some beauty? And what is it that makes the Lord Jesus to be so beautiful to behold? After all, this man, the Lord Jesus, took a tremendous following or gained a tremendous following. And in the first century, thousands and thousands of people in the Roman world became Christians. They were in love with the Lord Jesus. They saw beauty in him. They desired him. And this is the amazing power of the gospel in our hearts. And what is it that makes the difference? It's the fruit. It's the fruit. And in John 15, it's all about the fruit. We learned last week that the vine is nothing of itself. A vine cannot produce anything itself. And the branch, without being joined to the vine, can produce absolutely nothing. And so the Lord Jesus, his church, is nothing unless it is bearing fruit. And that's true of this church on this corner, in this community, that uh, this church is nothing unless there is real gospel living fruit that will draw men and women to understand that this is the very power of God. Now, we learned that to produce this fruit, we need to abide in the Lord Jesus. And over and over again in this passage, you have this word abide, abide in me and I in you. And we consider this two-way abiding. It's not a one-way. It's not just me clinging to the Lord. It is the Lord also dwelling, living in me, producing this wonderful life. And how much is this abiding worth? This turns our Christian lives from a mere performance to a life of enjoying spiritual grace flowing in our souls. Just think about it. The difference between a branch connected to the vine and a branch that's not abiding in the vine. It's the world of the difference.
And of course, this can be the answer to sometimes the depression, the doubts, the fears, the sadness, the loneliness that many genuine born-again Christians go through. Because there can be periods in your Christian life that you're not abiding in the Lord. And if you're not abiding in him, he is not abiding in you. And therefore, there is barrenness. Now, if you're confessing today that there is barrenness in your soul, there's only one recipe. And the Lord says it to you right here in this word, abide in me. That's the recipe. It's as simple as that. Sermon's over. We're ready to go home. I have nothing more to preach. But I know that you wouldn't accept that, so I've got to keep preaching. So what's the subject going to be today? What's the topic going to be? Well, last week we learned about the possibility of abiding. And we learned that it's because of the wounds of Christ that we're grafted into the vine. We learned that it's possible because the Holy Spirit comes to live in us and he abides in us. And the Lord promised that I will not leave you comfortless, I will come to you. And that's the life of a Christian, enjoying the inner life of the Lord flowing in us. But the topic today is going to be the practice of abiding, or the how-to. Let's come down to real, basic Christian living, the practice of abiding in the Lord Jesus. And this is altogether important. Now, I have three main thoughts on this. To abide in the Lord, we need to accept something. And there's going to be the word keep. And then the word feed. Three key words. The accept, feed, keep. These are the keys in this passage to the practice of, of abiding in the Lord Jesus. Now, what do we have to accept? Firstly, accept your position in the Lord as a branch in the vine. You have to accept that. Now, the branch is only as strong and only as fruitful as its ability to depend on the vine. And there is a submission, there is a realization that I'm just a branch. And I need to be in wonderful union with the vine. Now, unfortunately, this is a hard lesson for Christians to learn. We still have so much of the thinking within us, I can do it my way. I can do it alone. I am a branch, yes, and I rejoice that now I'm a Christian, but I can do it alone. And there is a failure to adopt this position as a branch in the vine. Now, the vine gives support to the branch. And as you think of that wood that is the stalk, the stem of the vine that comes out and grows thicker and thicker as the years go by, and however twisted and gnarled the, the, branch, the, uh, the woodwork of the vine is, every branch is attached and held by the woodwork of the vine. Now, as a Christian, we're to trust in the Lord. We're to lean on him. We are to depend on him. And we are to, in every battle, every situation, 
adopt the life of a branch in the vine. Lord, I can't do this alone. I need you to hold me up. I need you to support me. Now, that vine also gives all spiritual life. Every nourishment, every uh, food that the branch uh, uses up to produce the fruit, everything comes from the vine. And that is the position, that is the place that the branch accepts. Now, have you accepted that all your spiritual life, all the graces of the Christian life, all the fruit of the Spirit comes from abiding in the vine? You see, when we try to do it ourselves, we fail. When we try to work it up, we fail. And I'm sure you've heard preachers many, many times saying, you can't work it up. You have to draw, receive, and open your heart to enjoy the Lord. Now, think of this in your lives. Now, you'll notice in verse 9, uh, there is the inner flow of love. Verse 9, as the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. There's a supernatural love. That's the wonderful, wonderful testimony of a Christian. And you think of the love that was between the Father and the Lord Jesus. It's an eternal love, unchangeable, unbreakable, wonderful love. And now the Lord says, as the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Continue ye in my love. In other words, abide in it. Enjoy it. Let it flow in your heart. Get into the position, the attitude of a branch receiving all from the vine. You see, the love of Christ flowing in your soul is not some mystical thing. It is the enjoyment of a real, blessed communion, appreciating, rejoicing in the grace of the Lord. You'll notice down in verse 11, there's joy. These things have I spoken unto you that my joy might remain in you. Now, let me ask you, did you have a joyous week? Was there a song in your heart this week? Now, I know that you have more cares than you can count on your fingers. I know that you have more problems than you could probably write out in one page. And all the things that bear you down and cause you grief. And you're saying, I'm not a happy person these days. I've got so many cares. But is this not a joy that triumphs over, in, and beyond the cares of life? This is not a recipe to become some kind of superman or superwoman. This is a recipe to tap into the very power and grace of the Spirit of the Lord flowing in your heart and soul. And then there is peace, and the Lord lets that peace. Go back to chapter 14, verse 27. Now, in these chapters in particular, don't let chapter divisions spoil the connection. This is all one event. And uh, here is the Lord speaking a very prolonged series of teachings to his own disciples. And he says to them in chapter 14, 27, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you. 
Now, if there's anything that a born-again Christian ought to have, it ought to be peace, because we are linked to the Prince of Peace. The Lord Jesus is the great peacemaker. If Christianity is anything, it is the giver of peace. But do you have that peace? Well, only if you accept the life as a branch in the vine. And if you're abiding, living in continued fellowship with the Lord, will you know the wonder of this peace flowing into your heart? Now, what is a branch doing? A branch is not to reinvent or recreate or make something new. A branch is just a bearer, a bearer. The branch doesn't dictate the fruit. The branch does not dictate the, even the amount of the fruit, the nature of the fruit, the sweetness of the fruit. The branch just lives in the vine and let the vine use the branch. That's where our submission comes in. That's where our surrender to the Lord comes in, to abide in him as a branch in the vine. And you're not to be looking to do something, some new way, some new exciting model, method, some uh, hip manner of being a Christian. You're to take your position as a vine. Now, can you accept that? Can you make that a conscious decision, a conscious yielding? I'm going to stop trying myself. I'm going to stop this self-work, self-attempt, and I'm just going to surrender to be a vine, a branch in the vine, and allow the Lord to do with me what he will. Let me tell you, that will bring the greatest peace, the greatest joy, the greatest love flowing into your heart that you cannot get any other way. It is just to surrender. Now, there's one other thing you have to accept, and that is to accept the cleansing work of the husbandman. It says in this verse 1 and 2 that the, the Lord's father is the husbandman, and every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. Now, let's settle the issue that uh, may hold us back from understanding these words, that the Lord is speaking to real Christians, the 11 disciples. Judas is out of the picture. And this is not about being a Christian and falling away from being a Christian. This is about men being effective for God. And to be effective for God, the Father does a cleansing work. Well, you'll notice that if you're fruitless, he sets you aside. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And there is behind that the thought of lifting up or setting aside. God can do that, you know. I think there are many Christians in this world today who are just living lives that are set aside. They really are not bearing any fruit, and they are not effective for God. And in eternity, there will be no fruit, and they will give account. The husbandman 
takes away every branch or sets aside, lifts up every branch that bears no fruit. But then look what he does to the branches that do bear fruit. And I trust that's you and me. I trust that it's our role that we are being fruit bearers in the Lord's church, in his work. What does he do to these? Well, it says, every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it. Now, the word purge there is cleanse. Uh, we think of the, the pruner and he just cuts off everything. But this husbandman, in a loving manner, cares for each individual plant. And when there is the first spot of disease, what does he do? Cleanses it. Now, the modern uh, arborist or gardener would use sprays and insecticides and all kinds of things to do it the easy way, supposedly. But the Lord's referring to the gardener, the husbandman. He's inspecting the vines and he's, he is cleansing. And of course, there may be that branch that is going the wrong direction that needs to be retrained, reset, and that it all may bring forth more fruit. And you and I have to accept the work of the Father, training, cleansing, purging us. How does God do this? Sometimes it's through trials and troubles. And there are many Christians that go through issues and difficulties, and God is using those things to train that you might bring forth more fruit. The classic example in the Bible, of course, is Job. And he said, He knoweth the way that I take. When he hath tried me, I shall come forth as gold. I have heard thee by the hearing of the ear, but now mine eye seeth thee. And the troubles and trials that Job went through is the story of God making a good man a better man, a more fruitful man. And you have to accept that there are difficult, hard things for you to bear that you might bring forth more fruit. Now, can you accept that life? You see, many Christians, when they get into that situation, they rebel. You see, I can't take this anymore. I never realized when I signed up for Christianity that it would be a life of trouble and trial. I never realized that my heavenly Father would try me in so many different ways. I want out. I want this to change. And there is a rebellion, rejection of the loving training of our heavenly Father. No, we are to abide. We are to accept the training and to accept that each and every incident that providence brings into our lives is God's way of making us produce more fruit. Thank you for... You are listening to Let the Bible Speak, the radio broadcast of the Free Presbyterian Church in Canada. This is Pastor Ian Golliher. If you missed part of today's program or would like to hear it again, you can find it archived by program date on our website. Just go to www.lt. 
tbs.ca, CA for Canada. There you can read my blog, find my Bible study notes, audio and video sermons, as well as helpful articles. Or you can go to our podcast on iTunes. We're on the air Sundays at 9.30 a.m. for our full church broadcast, and Monday to Friday, 5 a.m. and 5 p.m. on this station to bring you the gospel from our free Presbyterian church here in Cloverdale. We also invite you to our church services on Sundays, 10.30 and 6 p.m. Through our website, you can listen and view to our online services at 10.30 and 6 p.m. Make it your Sunday worship. Click on the Live Now button on the homepage of our website. Or if you would like to talk with me one-on-one as a pastor, please give me a call. The phone number is 604-897-2040. The mailing address is 187 9058 Avenue, Surrey, BC, V3S1M6. We're located just two blocks north of Number 10 Highway on 188th Street. Our website again is ltbs.ca. You can join us Monday to Friday, 5 a.m., 5 p.m., here on this station as we let the Bible speak. Music